0: Welcome to Freedom Cast, a podcast dedicated to interviewing star icons and entrepreneurs who have encouraged others to become more healthy and active. My name is Ashton, and it's my pleasure to host you as we take another trip through the fitness industry. It's entertaining and informative, and I hope it makes fitness more exciting and special to you in your own fitness journey. Freedom Cast is supported by Freedom Fitness Equipment in Charlotte, North Carolina. Freedom Fitness Equipment serves the health and fitness community nationwide from free weights and strength equipment for home gyms and studios to cardio and conditioning equipment for commercial spaces. Check them out at freedomfitnessequipment.com. Let's get rolling with today's show. Welcome to FreedomCast. We're here with uh, Julie Renee. She is an IFBB wellness pro. Uh, awesome personality on TikTok and Instagram, got a massive following. Um, mm-hmm. She was recommended to me by another lady that we were interviewing for the podcast and uh, just has some really good content, really good stuff to say, particularly for women uh, in the fitness space. Uh, so I wanted to have her on. So Julia, thank you so much for coming on FreedomCast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, it
0: will be awesome. So um, for those of us who don't know you or for our audience who hasn't talked or, or seen any of your content before, can you give us mm-hmm. a little bit of background about you?
1: um so I'm 24 I am an IFBB wellness pro so if anyone doesn't really know what that is basically I'm a pro bodybuilder um so I have been I've competed in about four shows um bodybuilding was never something that I ever imagined I was going to get into um and I'm sure we'll kind of go into that a little bit later but um, it has changed my life in so many ways, um, physically, mentally. And I, I don't know what I would do without it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, and you said uh, how many years, uh, bodybuilding again?
1: I, I don't know how many years I've been doing it, but I've competed in four shows. Okay. Um, yeah, I've competed in four shows, but I, uh, built for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I kind of, grew up very athletic. I mean, I was a wrestler in high school. I was the only girl on a all boys wrestling team. So I have been lifting and been very active since I was a kid. And I never thought I was going to be a wrestler either. Um, that's just how life ended up turning out. And I've been very athletic. It just, I fell off really hard after high school because I was kind of just like, done with the training and the diet and being that young and having to diet for wrestling and train like that was just like so much for me. Yeah. And then fell off pretty hard, like went the complete opposite direction. And then like took a self, like a look in the mirror and was like, this is not who you are. You're an athlete. You're a more positive person than this. And (laughs) Yeah, I think everyone has one of those moments in life where they look at themselves in the mirror and they're like, I don't know who's looking back at me anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was that moment. And I started working out again. I never with the intention of being a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. It just so happened that I got into a group of bodybuilders and then seeing them compete. And then I was like, all right, like I think I can do this too. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no kidding. Um, I'll go back to like, so uh, you've got an IFBB Pro card which for those for people who don't know is extremely difficult to get. You said you've only competed four times. To me, that seems A, super young and B, holy cow, you've only competed four times. You already have your pro card. So like, what yeah. was that like? How did, you, how did that happen?
1: <laughs> um, I, I don't think I even realize uh, I have a hard time kind of taking a step back and really appreciating how far I've come for yeah. how young I am and yeah. how quick yeah. I was able to do it um because for me i'm like what's next what's next so it's just you know anybody out there that also does the same thing kind of take a step back and really appreciate how far you've come yeah um for me i i think it was really cool that i did it that quickly
0: yeah
1: um because for me whenever i want something or i have my eye on something i'm going to get it it's just all about timing mm-hmm. um And you have to have the passion behind it to take it to that level. If you don't have the passion behind it and you're not willing to sacrifice um, a lot of different things in your life, then you might not ever get to that level.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Were you placing, so to get to IPB Pro status, were you placing first in each of those shows?
1: So I got, my first show ever was The Summer Shredding, which is, um, I don't know if you know the brand Alphalete or anything like that. Yeah. Um, So the owner of that puts on a show called Summer Shredding, and Mm -hmm. it's not a federation or anything, but it's a really awesome like starter show for anybody that's just like getting ready to. So I did that show three weeks. That was my first show ever. I did it three weeks before my actual like show that I was going to do Mm -hmm. that was going to take me on the track to get an IFBB pro card. Yeah. So I did that one and I actually competed in figure, which I'm not even a figure competitor. (laughs) Um, they just didn't have my category. So I competed in that and probably didn't do more than five back days, that entire prep. Wow. (laughs) Um, so I took the overall for that and they, they give you like A prize money a sponsorship and then when I stepped on that stage I think that was the first time that I realized like whoa this is where I'm meant to be Mm -hmm. um you know almost immediately stepping on that stage if you were meant to be on that stage or if it's just not for you and I think it's something that you have to try so I did got the overall there and then I went and did my first um just like a uh, amateur show. And I got first in that one, which is the wellness category, which is what I actually competed. Yep. Um, yep. Took a break for the year, came back. I was qualified for nationals at that point. Mm-hmm. My body was definitely not ready enough for the first national show that I went to. Cause I put on way too much weight off season. Okay. Um, okay. Cause I struggle a lot with binge eating, but I'm sure yeah. we'll get into that as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, did my first national show got fifth. And two weeks later came in leaner and then got first and got my IFBB program. Damn, what? Yeah, Yeah. that next two weeks was hell. You
0: you went back to back 5-1. Yes. (laughs) Holy shit. Oh my gosh. I don't think I've ever heard somebody do that. Because you usually lean out for the first show. You're done. You want to, like you said, you just want to binge like immediately afterward or at least most bodybuilders Mm -hmm. do. Oh my word. And then, so you got your pro card from that. Um, and, uh, the wellness category remind me that's, um, it's, it's all, I mean, they're all uh, some way related to aesthetics, but how is wellness differentiated from the other categories again?
1: So let's start from like bikini. So bikini is, uh, less muscular, very balanced. So top to bottom, very balanced figure is also supposed to be balanced, but in a way of, there's a little bit more focus on like the back with like the poses they do. They yep. really show off their back. That's mainly what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, and then we go into wellness, which is the only category that's actually supposed to be imbalanced. So oh. your upper body is still more muscular. I would say muscularity wise it's between bikini and between figure. Okay. So not as muscular as figure up top, but not as small as bikini on bottom, okay. but your legs from like hips down, they need to overpower your upper body. So there's a sense of like a lot of um, hourglass kind of looking. So that's why it's become so popular here, because this is the first year that it's been in the United States, because usually it's uh, it's from Brazil. Huh. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, did you know that that was the category that you want? Did you, I assume you did research on the categories, but did you know, like from the get-go, like, yeah, I'm sticking to wellness and that's all I'm doing. Yeah. Okay.
1: So I had just been training just to train. Like I was building up almost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have like a clear direction yet until my boyfriend, who's my bodybuilding coach as well. Mm-hmm. He was like, wellness is coming out. Cause I really didn't know where I fit because I still wasn't big enough to see where my genetic gifts were right. really. Um, But then when we started like really training legs, I was like, I am gifted down here (laughs) for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he was like the wellness category. They just announced that they're going to come out with it in this year. He's like, we need to go for that. So as soon as I heard that, every single thing that I did was geared towards that. Wow. Yeah.
0: Um, You talk about, I I do want to address the new, the nutrition side and the prep and all of that getting ready yeah. for those kind of shows, because I know it's absolutely brutal, uh, particularly for women. I know for guys as well, but like, mm-hmm. I, I know with, you mentioned binge eating. So let's, so I want to talk about mental health aspect of that, uh, nutrition aspect and, and how you've been able to deal with that and grow through the process. Cause that's not like, you're not alone for sure. And I know guys struggle with that as well, but yeah, talk about that, how, how that's worked for you.
1: Yeah. So I think that, and the reason that I'm so passionate and I'm glad that you asked this question is because I am really passionate about educating people on what it takes to actually be a bodybuilder. Um, because I don't want people to think that it is all sunshine and rainbows because it's definitely not because (laughs) originally when I got like, even like a little hint in my mind about doing bodybuilding, it was because I saw what they looked like, but I didn't see what it took for them to get there. Um, And I think a lot of people do that with influencers, with um, Olympians. There's probably people that do that with me when they first see me, but I am passionate about telling people like, this is what I'm going through. This is what it takes. This is me at the gym. This is me at the gym again, because there's so much more that goes into it. And I think if I could ever go back, I would have focused on making sure that I was okay within myself. And that I was strong, had a stronger mindset and had a better control of my eating habits before I started, because if you already struggle with that, it's going to mess it up more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, How was the, so when you say binge eating, Mm -hmm. what does that mean for you specifically?
1: So um, it kind of goes back until when I was uh, 15, I was a wrestler in high school. I don't know if y'all know anything about wrestling, but it's very similar to bodybuilding. So there's weight classes and you have to fit into a weight class. Um, Women don't have to fit into a weight class in um, bodybuilding, Mm -hmm. but we still have to cut weight to look lean. So I have been cutting weight and dieting pretty crazy, like a a bodybuilder since I was 15. The only thing is when I was 15, I wasn't educated at all. I was just going off of, I had nobody coaching me. I was doing it myself. I was doing what the other guys on my team were, which were crazy things like getting in sauna suits, running in the summer, um, wearing layers of sweatsuits, and then going into uh, the sauna at the gym, uh, spitting into a water bottle. Cause if you fill up a water bottle with spit, you lose a pound fun fact. (laughs) So just like Literally just not eating, not even drinking water. I would slush water in my mouth and spit it out. Um, so it it was pretty nuts. And it's crazy to think back to that because I'd sit at lunch and like a 15-year-old who's growing and needs food, I'd sit there and I wouldn't eat. I'd maybe like have some water and then spit it back out. And it's just because I didn't know. And that was any that was just what was normal for me to lose weight, and then I'd make weight for my category. And then I would binge eat on a bunch of food because I was starved from nutrients. And that's when that pattern was ingrained in me at 15. And I was doing that for years and years and didn't even know that it was a problem. Mm. So when I got back into bodybuilding and I was put in that restrictive state, it flared up again. A lot of people were telling me like, well, maybe you shouldn't even do bodybuilding. Maybe this isn't for you. And I definitely agree that that is a choice for other people. But for me, I needed to be put in that difficult situation to move past it. Because if I gave myself the leeway of quitting the thing that I love the most, because that was what I feared, Mm -hmm. then I would have just slipped back into binge eating because there was nothing driving me to get better. So I, I, when I talk about binge eating, everybody's story is different. Everybody heals different. If I can just share something that you take from it, take from it, anything else, just leave it. Um, It's up to you Yeah. (laughs) because I know it's very personal.
0: Sure. Uh, What are some things that you were able to implement that helped you avoid binge eating and changed the mindset, like practical ways that you were able to avoid binge eating?
1: I have tons of, I like to call them like tools in my tool belt Mm -hmm. because when you're under-resourced and by under-resourced, I'm meaning like you have an urge that's coming on and you feel like you can't handle it and you don't know what to do. I have a set of like tools that I take out of my tool belt to help me. Um, And I can just tell you like a couple of them. There's one that's, I give them silly names. Like one of them is called the floor is lava. And Mm -hmm. I literally pretend that the floor is lava and I sit in one place for five minutes. And the reason that that's important is because when you have an urge to binge, you have that urge and you think that you have to react to it immediately, Mm -hmm. but you don't. So if you just sit your butt down for five minutes, most likely the urge is going to go away and say it doesn't go away and you decide to binge anyways, at least you had some sort of control and you had a pause before you made a decision. What a lot of people do and what I know that I did is that they don't even take the time to pause and and decide or even think about doing something different. They just immediately go into reacting mode, which is what I did years and years and years. Um, And when I took the time to pause by doing these practices as I slowly got better, I slowly got better. Sometimes I won, sometimes I lost. And (laughs) it's just (laughs) a lot of times I lost and now (laughs) I continuously win because of just practice. another one I do, I call past, present and future. Mm -hmm. So I think about in the past, how did I feel when I went through with this binge eating? Yeah. I felt shameful. I felt guilty. I didn't really want to do it. And then present, how am I feeling right now? Am I giving my emotions too much, too much importance in my life, which is most likely what happens is you're freaking out about your emotions and then you're freaking out that you're freaking out. (laughs) And then uh, future, you know, how would I feel if I didn't go through with this? I feel pretty good. I feel pretty confident. I feel like I, I did something very challenging. So I use tools like that. Oh. Talk about them a lot on Instagram, on YouTube. Gotcha.
0: Um, sorry, you cut out there. My bad. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, I got the last part of it. Um, so, how does somebody differentiate between the desire, the, the nagging desire to binge eat? versus i actually need to get proper nutrition because i think some people tend to take the advice and they say oh you know if i if i if i just sit like they actually need to eat and they're like oh if i just sit there i'll just i'll be fine when they act when they're sit when they're re- really honestly eating 800 calories a day and they need to increase that so like how do you how do you balance the the urge to eat which is necessary and proper good nutrition and like this binge eating urge that might happen on weekends or whatever?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, And I think it comes down to people confusing, like you said, not having enough food and genuinely having a, um, what's it called? A signal from your body telling you you need to eat and binge eating. A lot of people get emotional eating confused with binge eating and just regular human cravings confused with binge eating. But binge eating is when you eat a significant amount of calories in a very short amount of time. And you do that on repeat for week from weeks on end. So I think that's where the bulk of the confusion comes from because it's normal to have cravings. It's normal to um, have a hard time to connect with your body and what it needs because it's been so messed up with how everybody is dieting and how everyone's trying to tell you to diet. Um, So I feel like the best way to differentiate if you struggle with binge eating or if you're just not eating enough calories is if you're binge eating, it's eating a lot of calories in one short amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, And you're doing that continuously. That's like the definition of what binge eating is. But if you are having a craving and say you're starting to crave something like sweet or salty, maybe you genuinely don't have enough calories in your diet. And if you're not competing for a bodybuilding show and if there's nothing that you're going after where you should have calories that low, your calories shouldn't be that low. Um, Most likely you don't need them to be that low.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, I think a lot of people, one of the mistakes people make when they're cutting is they cut too many calories and they cut them too fast because they want fast results. So for example, let's say like my maintenance calories is about Uh, Mm 2,200. So whenever I start cutting for a bodybuilding show, if I went from 2,200 to 1,600 calories that quickly, yes, I would lose weight very fast, but I'd be hungry. I'd be angry. I'd most likely binge. And I wouldn't be able to sustain that. Instead, if I went from 2,200 to Mm 2,000, that's way more sustainable. I'd still lose weight steadily. And then I'd have more calories to pull from later on. Pulling from 2000 is a lot better than pulling from 1600. Yes, Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a huge um, there's a there's a sense of like mindfulness that goes into it, yeah. um, really just trying to sit down with yourself and pause, kind of like I told before. before, mm-hmm. um, pause and really think about what your body needs instead of emotionally re- reacting to circumstances that are around you and really starting to tune in with that um, is important. <laughs> a lot of people don't do that. I didn't do that at all. And now I have to do that.
0: Yeah, I love I love that advice. Uh I also love that on one of your story highlights you had main gaining and one of my favorite bodybuilders, Greg Doucette, Mine too. <laughs> I freaking I love being yelled at every single me day. Too. It's so good. It's so good. Um talk to uh, talk to me about what uh I know what main gaining is, but for our audience, but like what is main gaining and what do you recommend uh people do to main gain?
1: Um, I guess basically main gaining is finding your maintenance level calories, uh, which is the calories that you ingest. So you don't either gain nor lose weight. So you're just like hanging out. Um, so that's basically what I'm doing right now. Like I'm just hanging out at this maintenance level calories. I'm still putting on muscle and I'm not putting on so much fat to where I need to cut so much fat down for whenever I cut for a bodybuilding show. Mm -hmm. And this has been a game changer for me because I am sitting at the same weight that I sat out a year ago after show or when I was prepping for my last show. Oh, wow. um, it's not about, it's not the same. Last time before I was about 170, that was like way too heavy for my body. Yep. But the last time that I weighed this much, I had less muscle and I had more body fat. So, but oh, wow. by, so by doing this main gaining, I have been able to better my body composition, Mm -hmm. stay at the same weight and put on more muscle and not enough and have less fat, which is like, why wouldn't I do this? Mm -hmm. It's just that the industry, especially the bodybuilding industry is where it originated from is that you need to eat big to get big. And I believe that wholeheartedly when I first started lifting too. But then I realized that I have so much fat that I need to lose to step on stage And you have to diet so much harder for so much longer. And that's what I did my last show for getting my pro card. It just wasn't worth it. You know, I put myself through so much more pain that I needed to because I, one, you know, was struggling really bad with binge eating then, but two was thinking that I needed to eat that much to build muscle and it's not the case.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's, it's a longer term, for what I understand, it's, it's a longer term strategy and people have to be super patient with it. Yeah. But like you said, you end up in a better spot anyway, because you end up having more lean muscle mass. Uh, exactly. Which is exactly and
1: if you're really serious about this whole fitness lifestyle, you need to think about it long-term because you don't just want to be fit for this short amount of time. You want to be fit and healthy for your life. Yeah. And that's what it, it that's what it does. Keeps yeah. you a spot where you can build muscle but also keeps you at a low enough body fat percentage so that you're healthy and so that you stay confident and comfortable in your body
0: yeah absolutely um when you were um i I know you you were into wrestling um did you ever think that at any point i mean prior to you finding out about bodybuilding and all that like did you was bodybuilding or lifting heavy stuff was that ever on the horizon uh, were you doing that for what for for um for wrestling anyway
1: yeah we did like a combination of cross country running for the endurance of being able to stay in a match for that long okay. and then we did weightlifting and then we did wrestling practice so i love the weightlifting portion of it yeah. i never once thought that it was something that i would continue to do mm-hmm. i definitely enjoyed the act of like being able to lift heavy and feeling strong and feeling confident in it because most of the times I was the only girl in the weight room with them. Um, So it was really cool, but I never knew anything about bodybuilding. It was never even something I thought of. So the fact that I'm here now, I guess it kind of makes sense because of what I used to do, but also in my head, I'm like, how did I get from there to there? I think it's because, for a long time, that portion where I just like stopped being an athlete, I never thought that I would go back to being an athlete, especially a professional athlete.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to address just people, or, or sorry, women in particular, getting very intimidated by lifting heavy things, but also specifically, like uh, ne- right now, do you have a home gym? Or are you still going to a commercial gym?
1: I'm going to a gym.
0: Okay. So... A lot of women and and i've I've interviewed people who have told me horror stories about guys approaching them. Um, you're attractive, they're attractive, and guys seem to want to take advantage of that. So how do you get women to to not 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 only not be intimidated by the gym environment where there's some really creepy guys, but also address that in a constructive way where they're continuing to go and confident about going?
1: Yeah. I think at that point, it's the confidence in yourself that you need to work on. Okay. Um, because I remember when I was less confident in myself and not as secure in like what I was doing and if it was right. And I feel like that's the majority of women are going into the gym and they're thinking that everyone is staring at them and making fun of them because they're doing something wrong. Yeah. And um, the fact of the matter is to think that everyone is focusing on you is a little bit egotistical. <laughs> <laughs> it's like everybody has their own shit like there's well, the thing that i also say is like there's other people around you that are thinking the exact same thing they're like yeah. oh my god they just saw me drop this weight they saw that i couldn't pick it up geez they're probably making fun of me when really they're focused about their own self and how they're looking to the world yeah um i remember being in that position when i first started lifting um And it's just the the more confident and the more that I worked on myself and building up that confidence, you know, by educating myself on uh, workouts, by educating myself on nutrition, by listening to podcasts that made me feel more confident, that uplifted me reading books, the more confident I was in the gym. Now, it's very rare well, people come up to me, but they come up to me because they know me. They know me from like Instagram or something like that. Mm -hmm. But as far as like people being creepy towards me, I have a face that I can put on that says, don't even try. (laughs) And it's, yeah. And I don't, I rarely have anyone come up to me, but um, I know that that, that, that puts women in a space of like I can't even be comfortable going and do this thing that I want to better myself for. Yeah. And I've heard horror stories of like people following them. Um, and I mean, the only thing I haven't had anything to that extent is like telling the gym, like yeah, telling, telling the gym yeah, or recording them or make them feel uncomfortable. Cause if someone stares at me too long, I stare at them double as long. <laughs> I literally just like, and then they get uncomfortable because who are you to make me feel uncomfortable i'm gonna make you feel uncomfortable and they they, they get really embarrassed it's really funny that's that's a simple trick you can do is just stare them down
0: <laughs> oh my gosh well also when you can when you can deadlift like two to three times their body weight and you kind of let them onto that that probably <laughs> that probably helps a little bit you know
1: <laughs> right
0: um that's fantastic i, I love that advice Um, and I know you guys have, uh, you, is it, you and your boyfriend have a podcast on this as well. So you talk about everything related to bodybuilding and fitness and health and all that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's called the fit couple show. We talk about basically being fit in all aspects of your life, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually. Mm -hmm. Um, we like to combine it all because I really would not be a pro if I didn't focus on my mental health above all else.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's extremely important. Well, I mean, it's what gets you up in the morning, right? What gets you to the gym, you know, mm-hmm. especially when it's cold or you don't are uncomfortable or you don't want to, so.
1: Your mind uh, is going to give up before your body, but most yeah. people will focus more on their body than their mind.
0: Hey, there you go. <laughs> um, talk to me about your social media following because you exploded on tiktok (laughs) and has that been like a fairly linear progression was there something in particular that you did like how did that work
1: so i was super resistant towards tiktok because i felt like i already had instagram down like i mastered it and i work really really hard on uh, making sure that i'm continuously growing and doing the same practices Mm -hmm. that i did when I was really trying to grow I still do those to these day yeah. and then adding TikTok in I was like oh that's too much <laughs> um and my boyfriend was telling me he's like just do it I heard that you can grow super organically and it's I, I think what I did was I was on prep for my my very first show okay and I think I posted like a uh video of like um how I was how my body was looking this oh. many weeks out mm-hmm. so all I did was like I'm six weeks out blah 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 for my first bodybuilding show this is how much I'm weighing and I woke up with like 11.1k followers or 15 and I looked at my boyfriend I was literally like that face like oh <laughs> he's like I told you at <laughs> so that point I was like you're right you're right So yeah, yeah, I've just been posting workouts since then, Mm -hmm. um, motivational stuff, telling you know, answering questions about bodybuilding, um, taking them through my prep, all that. That is absolutely
0: phenomenal. Yeah, for anybody for anybody listening to this, TikTok is one of those platforms. It'll probably be another year or two before it kind of calms down, but like the organic growth, yes, unbelievable.
1: And I'm just like surprised that they haven't done anything to mess with that yet by yeah. now. I'm glad they haven't because I'm like, uh, give me some time.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Get, let me have more time doing this because <laughs> I'm going to be at a million. I know in no point. So it's just about timing. It's
0: crazy. It's crazy. Um, is there anybody that you would recommend uh, for men or women, um, but you can you can talk to the, the female audience at this point about that, that, that you would recommend following for actually good fitness advice. And by actually good, I mean, we're not doing 10-minute abs. We're doing something that's long-term that's going to be successful. Are there are people this. Greg Doucette, I know, is, is somebody. but He's my number one. Greg okay, awesome. awesome.
1: Number one is Greg Doucette. He's nice. a, he'll tell you, he tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. <laughs> and like legit, that's what he says all the time. I love him. He's super awesome sometimes we'll message on like instagram and he's the same like one-on-one he's just so he's so awesome i'm like i'm his number one i'm like i want to meet you someday (laughs) but he will tell you the truth yeah he'll tell you the truth he'll tell you what you need to hear and if you are struggling with finding like one person to get your information from first person to start with okay gotcha yeah he's helped me so much (laughs)
0: Nice, nice. anybody anybody else that you fall in that space?
1: Um, on YouTube, let's see. It's honestly, it's really hard for me to find people that I genuinely am like. That's 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 the person. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some people on TikTok. Beefcake <laughs> Brina, beefcake Brina, yeah, yeah. on TikTok. Yep. I like her. She's she's legit. Yep. But it, other than that, it's like it's really hard. It's genuinely hard. And some of the people that I was following on YouTube or TikTok, they were great at first and then mm-hmm. they turned into something that I didn't um, align uh, with anymore. Yeah. And it was like I had so many people I was like, yeah, and just nope.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In the second. I, I don't know what that, I don't, what do you, cra- what do you chalk that up to? Is that com- just the commercialization of fitness or?
1: Yeah. Life? Yeah. I, I like to call it the, they turn into clickbait influencers. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So they, they would start off with like the thing that really makes them like who they are, you mm. know, like they start off being super genuine and and giving advice and then they go into the clickbait aspect of being an influencer to -hmm. grow faster, to make more money. And then they turn into something that they're not or something that they genuinely were from the beginning. I don't know because I don't know them personally. And for me, I like to make sure my feed is exactly how I want to feel. So Mm -hmm. I only follow people that make me feel good about myself and help me learn something. Mm -hmm. Other than that, unfollowed <laughs> yeah I've up. done I've had to do that recently with the people that just like flip-flopped on me because seeing yeah. their stuff made me feel icky and I never wanted to be that person for anybody so it's like as long as you can just stay true to who you are no matter what you're always going to be on top for that
0: yeah yeah you can do that without being disingenuous and yeah. you can still like I mean I, for example like you're sponsored you're not also. you're also not chilling every second you get for like all the sponsorships like you're actually giving good genuine advice and at the same time like you also have these sponsors who are really helpful so like that's but uh, by the way talk about that a little bit um when when was your first sponsorship sponsorship deal
1: let's see uh so my first sponsorship deal Hmm. It was with Alphalete because when I won, la- when I won the summer shredding, you get a three month sponsorship and a thousand dollars. Nice. Yeah. And that was on my bucket list or not my bucket list, my basically I, I write down my goals every single day
0: mm-hmm.
1: over and over and over again. And it was on my list of things that I was trying to manifest. And uh, I got it and I was like, that's awesome. And then as soon as our, my contract ended with them, mm-hmm. Buff Bunny wanted me, which is like, you know, they're they're dating Alphalete and Buff Bunny, or boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, <laughs> so it was really cool. And I was like, oh, sweet. And Buff Bunny was e- like, to me, it was even better because mm-hmm. it aligned even more with my beliefs because it was like female based. It was all about uh, body acceptance and like mm-hmm. having all the sizes and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was really cool. And then they, I've been with them for almost two years now.
0: Nice.
1: Um, I think first form was a little bit after Alphalete, the first Mm -hmm. Alphalete. And I've been with them for a while now too. And it's just, um, with those companies, I just immediately knew, you know, there was that intuitive pull inside me that says, this is a hundred percent. Yes. There was no like red flags that came up and it's been a really awesome decision. I still love Alphalete and they still send me stuff. Um, I know both of them and they're really, really sweet people. And yeah, I'll support them all day just because of what they stand for and what they do for people.
0: Sure, absolutely. Um, what does it take to to get those kind of folks um, and get their attention? Was it yeah. you bodybuilding, winning shows, and they're contacting you, or are you kind of reaching out and trying to find folks?
1: So I wasn't really that like big per se. Okay. um, Whenever they reached out to me, it <laughs> was um, it was more so that I just kept showing up and that's the thing that matters is you have to keep showing up yeah. especially when it gets really hard to grow on Instagram and when it gets really hard to grow on um TikTok you mm-hmm. just keep showing up and I would tag them and all the all the, I just keep tagging them and eventually they see you and I wasn't necessarily like tagging them because I was like see me see me it was more so I'm wearing your stuff I'm yeah. supporting your brand yep um I'm right here you know <laughs> Just in case you need me at any time, <laughs> you know, and still giving like genuine feedback to their stuff. Like I would buy, I would buy their stuff, and I would give my feedback on it. I'd still take that, and how can I educate somebody on it and help somebody else? Um, and the following is also it. It helps. That's, yeah. <laughs> but if they see that you have like a connection with your followers and that you genuinely show up and you care, the more that you have that, the no, they know you'll be an asset to their team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's, uh, what kind of advice do you find yourself repeating a lot, uh, for women when it comes to either bodybuilding or just training generally, uh, what kinds of things are you just over and over repeating, trying to get stuck in people's heads?
1: Probably you're not lifting as heavy as you can be. Ah. (laughs) Um, quit comparing yourself to other people because there's only one you in this world and that's pretty cool.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And no one is going to know how you should work out or you should eat only you're going to don't mm-hmm. listen to like, literally, you don't even need to listen to me.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm just yeah. telling you what works for me. You don't even yep. have to listen to it. Yep. Um, and kind of to the first thing, what did I say about the first? Oh, lifting heavy. Yeah. Lifting heavy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: most likely, if you're listening to this, you're going to the gym, you're picking up the same weights that you know you can do because it's comfortable and you don't want to look stupid if you can't lift it. Stop <laughs> doing that. You're not going to grow. <laughs> once I just like got over that and was like, okay, maybe this week I'll try lateral raises, <laughs> 15s instead of 12s. And like once I started doing that, like my shoulders just Slowly got bigger, I slowly got stronger. And I in my head I was like, why have I been doing this? It's because we're so focused on what everyone else is doing around us Mm -hmm. that we let ourselves suffer for it. Yeah. Like I was worried that someone was going to see me fail at my fifth rep for 15 pound lateral raises that I wasn't going to push myself because I was afraid they were going to be laughing at me. Mm -hmm. Which, like I said before, no one cares what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That was (laughs) true. They genuinely, they're all worried about their own shit.
0: Yeah. It is. It's true.
1: Yeah. So Um, definitely lift heavier.
0: Awesome. Uh, I'm a fan. My, my wife and I both power lift and I think it's the best thing for physique, honestly, since sliced bread. So I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm curious about this because I've asked a few bodybuilders and it seems to be somewhat of a trend. Uh, when you were younger, growing up, high school, whatever it was, did you ever experience any bullying related to physique or anything that kind of pushed you into bodybuilding a little bit more than, than maybe some other folks?
1: Um, I would say that when, especially when I was in wrestling, it was like, I was either praised for it or made fun of for it. So like for women, I think the women, they either thought it was really cool that I was doing it, or they thought that I was like weird for doing it. Same for men. They thought it was cool or they thought it was weird. Like obviously the guys that were on my team, they were like older brothers to me. They were very supportive. Sure. Um, There was a rare times where they would bring someone on the team that didn't respect me didn't, you know, treat me like uh, the others did. Um, But I think I got made fun of a lot for being a little bit more muscular hmm. and looking more manly. I got uh called be like that I was lesbian and then I was a dyke just because I was wrestler which is like even if I was lesbian who cares <laughs> like yeah I don't I, to me I'm like why does that have anything to do with it yeah. so that's people were like questioning that because of a sport that I did
0: you could still it kick was, their ass
1: <laughs> yeah it was so weird to me and, um, that was one of the reasons I didn't want to join wrestling in the first place. Cause I was uh. very fearful. Like I said before, we always just, we don't do what we want to do because of what other people are going to say about us yep. and I ended up doing it, uh, loving it. And I know that I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't do that in the, fa- in the past. Sure. Sure. Yeah.
0: I think in a couple of your videos, you have mentioned motivation, which goes back to that mindset we were talking about. Um, do you think people should rely on that? um for training and that kind of thing cuz you know well, I I'd say half of the time people wake up they just don't want to get out of bed they don't want to get up and get where it, when it's cold and go go to the gym yeah, or that's me every whatever. day. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> so like how do you how do you how do you overcome that?
1: Um motivation isn't what gets you out of bed uh mm. your habits do. Ah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> if uh for example put me in like another person in the room. I have years of habit creating because I'm not disciplined. The only Mm -hmm. reason that I've created these habits is because I wasn't disciplined. Mm -hmm. I've had to create these things to be disciplined. Um, So put me and her, like in a room, both Mm -hmm. of us, the alarm goes off. She doesn't get up because she doesn't have the habits of getting up, even though it it sucks and you don't want to, Mm -hmm. I have the habits so that I get up. Both of us equally don't want to get up but I get up because I have the habits. So it's just, if anything, quit trying to be motivated. Mm. we trying to be like super excited and happy about it all the time, because it's not going to be, it's never there when you need it to be. So rely on the discipline and habits that you've created. So if anything, there's a really awesome book called atomic habits mm. and it goes super deep into this. And it's, it's incredible because the only reason that we, that you're going to reach your goal or you're going to lose the weight or compete on stage is from the consistency of the habits that you create yeah
0: i want people to go back and rewind the podcast and listen to that one minute again <laughs> right. because that is that is the key and really? i know it you know it people who don't train don't yet know it or they may not know it but um yeah i'm i'm right there with you um How's coaching been going? Uh, And when did you start that?
1: So I actually was a hairstylist before. Oh, yeah. So when I talking about that period of where I just fell off, I actually went to beauty school and did like the complete opposite of what I do now. (laughs) And yeah, so I did that. And I was like, found out real quick that I was like, this is not what I'm passionate about. I think it was when I thought about doing this. I, I think I thought about doing hair every single day, doing this routine for the rest of my life. That's when I was like, I can't do that. Oh my God, what am I doing? So um, I started focusing on my physical health and I started to see how all these other aspects in my life started changing. I was happier. I was kinder. I was more confident. uh, I felt better. I had more energy so it wasn't so much that my physical body was changing. It was everything about me was changing for the better. Because um, I wasn't a very nice person when I was working as a stylist because I wasn't happy. You know, I, I was blaming the world for why I was unfit and why I couldn't uh, seem to stick to a diet. I was just very much a victim of my own doing. <laughs> oh,
0: interesting. Gotcha. So
1: I was bitter during that time. But when I started switching with health and fitness, everything started changing for me yeah. um yeah. and I just saw the impact that it had on my entire life and I wanted to do that for other people mm-hmm. um and I people started asking me because I was posting on Instagram like barely I wouldn't even show my face <laughs> it's like I, I would like hide my camera to try and like film a workout I was so embarrassed to just like do any of that and now I'm like just eh. <laughs> so it's just it's crazy to see like where I was to where I am now. Cause yeah. it's just completely different, but um yeah, I started getting people asking me about coaching and mm-hmm. I was like, what, is this something I could do? And then eventually after realizing like, this is exactly what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I started working less at the salon, working more on setting up my business, working less at the salon. And then it was two or three years ago around this time during like about Christmas, mm-hmm. my, I came home to my boyfriend and I was like, you just can't do it anymore. He's, and he's like, I had like two or three weeks left of work. He goes, you need to go in and quit now. And so I quit like a couple weeks before Christmas wow. and literally didn't know if I was going to be able to make rent that month and then signed my first client and made rent. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it was, it was great. It was a huge leap. And I think that life is full of these Crazy kind of leaps that you just need to take to see if you're ready, if you can do it or not. And that was one of those things that was really scary. And if I never have taken that leap, then I don't know. Maybe I'd still be working there and be miserable and unhappy. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 That's well, kind of the same deal with our business. Um, I was working in finance and then we quit. And it's been the best year and a half, I think, honestly, of yeah. my entire life. It's
1: when uh, you align more with what your purpose is. Yeah. People, things, opportunities start showing up. It was yep. nuts. It was so nuts because the universe knew that that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> that that wasn't what my contribution to the world was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So once I moved into what I was supposed to be doing, it just it literally was like magic. Wow. Yeah.
0: So the salon was how you were saying afloat because I, I, I yes. don't think a lot of people understand like bodybuilding itself doesn't pay the bills. Like
1: nah. <laughs> it's,
0: you know like what do you uh, just to give an example like what are you getting paid per show?
1: You don't, I, I don't even get paid yet. You don't even get oh, paid. Oh gosh, okay. No, so you have to win. You have to be a pro to mm-hmm. even get paid. So up until I, and I haven't even done my first pro show yet. So okay. only as a pro do you get paid. So not only is it difficult to be, at a, be a pro, but once you're a pro, you still have to be like one of the best pros to get paid. Wow. And even when you get paid, it's not that much. It's uh, like, it's it doesn't even pay for the suit the heels, the food, the coaching, you know, it's, it's, doesn't it? Bodybuilding is very undervalued for how much work goes into it.
0: Oh yeah. It's nuts. I mean, it's like,
1: Mm -hmm. well,
0: and, and when you are getting paid what it's, it's what, like a thousand dollars, a couple thousand. Yeah, So like
1: third might be like a thousand, some different shows. Like, I mean, at the Olympia, that's where you get like the most, right. But even like the women's categories, it's money than the men's categories.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: you've got to survive somehow and that's not a way to do it
1: <laughs> exactly like you have to be the best i mean i don't even know if you could survive even if you were the best pro and you were winning a bunch of shows because there's yeah. still seasons you know yep. so yep. mainly for competitors that are pros they're making money through like uh, for me it's like it's like youtube tiktok instagram yep. um, my program so there's like a number of different things Um, and bodybuilding just happens to be like the thing that I love to do, you know?
0: Are you able to do back to back to back? I know you did that one where it was back to back, Mm -hmm. but is that an anomaly? Is that something you wouldn't, you wouldn't normally do
1: as a pro it's very normal. So like, um, some of the pros that were competing this year, because they're basically as a pro you're competing to qualify for the Olympia. So this year, whenever I start prep. I will have to either get first in my category Mm -hmm. to be automatically qualified for Olympia, or I need to get enough points at a bunch of different shows to get it enough um, to go and be at the Olympia. So ideally, you know, first in a show would be better so that I could just like automatically qualify. But Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's like from here on out, it's like, it's gonna be like a multiple show type of thing. So you cut down Mm -hmm. and then you, stay there, hold it and you compete, compete, compete. Yeah. Which I haven't done that before. So I'm, I'm excited, but scared. That's going to be
0: great. So you have to keep, you have to maintain cut weight for how long months, weeks. It
1: just depends on how many shows you do. Okay. So like say, uh, there's some girls that just like, for me, I just can't do that. Like these girls who were at the last Olympia were straight up on prep all year long. What? Yeah. They so like uh one of the girls she she was at my first show in July when mm-hmm. I got fifth place yeah um she won that one and got her pro card and she was on prep all the way till I'd say what month was this November,
0: November. last uh. month
1: she compete her last show she did was November and she just kept competing and I'm like uh, for me I'm like my body would be trashed I'd be yeah you're no kidding
0: yeah. Never mind yeah. your metabolism, like just keeping that low. Oh my yeah. God. Oh,
1: so, I kind of like for me, I'm setting myself up to like, I know I want to make sure my body is tip top shape. I'm feeling right. good. I'm at a healthy body fat and weight so that I can start this to kind of like basically, you know, mess it up again. Yeah. Um, and then I told, I'm only going to do this many shows. Mm-hmm. If I don't qualify for the Olympia and this many shows, then I'm done. I'm not going to put my body through that so much because long-term health is more important than qualifying at Olympia being one of the youngest people on stage. Like I have plenty of time.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. you got many, many years. I did not realize this, but, um, this is another factoid you, um, as far as the female physique goes, uh, I was told that as you get older, you actually get better at bodybuilding, not wor- like it's better when you're older, as opposed to being younger, because uh, muscle
1: density, I guess, or I think it it like muscle maturity.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So when you first start lifting, oh, there's a mosquito in here. (laughs) When you first start lifting, you have like the newbie gains. So the first five years of lifting Mm -hmm. is really, really your optimal time to grow. Okay. Um. So you can grow for about the first five years, and once that happens, it starts getting more difficult. Okay. Um. But what's something that tends to happen is like, and you notice this. I can notice it when I'm on when I'm looking at the other older. Uh, competitors Mm -hmm. pros on stage their muscles are just like older muscles they're Mm -hmm. more they've just been worked more they look more mature they look more dense and for me mine are still like young little people (laughs) muscles they're still they're still big and they can like semi keep up but Mm -hmm. there's just some sort of like density to them that just comes with age and comes with more training Mm -hmm. uh which yeah it's really strange that that happens yeah
0: (laughs) I, was, I would have, I would have assumed, cause I'm, I'm thinking from a power lifters perspective, it's like after you hit 30 or 40, you're basically done or retired right. or in the master's division, but it seems to be quite the opposite for bodybuilding, which is really cool because it means you yeah. like, you're still hitting your peak at an older age, which is great. You know? Yeah. To me, long
1: it's long. like, I think 34 is the age where you go into masters for bodybuilding. So for okay. bodybuilding, it's like, you just, I think you just like build until that point and then you just hold it. Yeah. I don't, I don't like, I don't know if there's much more muscle development that comes after that. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know. Yeah. I guess we'll see when I get there.
0: <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah.
1: That'll 10 be, years.
0: Hey, perfect. That'll be amazing. Um, we'll be rooting for you, uh, as you're prepping and, um, competing for the Olympia. Um, where can people find you, uh, for coaching and on social media and all that yeah. good stuff?
1: So I'm everywhere at underscore Julia Renee, and then the Renee is spelled just with one E J U L I A R E N E and all, all the links and all the coaching and everything's on there. My YouTube is where I take people on my prep journey from start to finish so they can see me, you know, suffer. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's the best.
0: I love it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, This was really informative. Um, Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I love seeing the, the initial start of this, um, especially as you just got your pro card and how quickly you got it. it sounds like you're going to be insane. You already are insanely <laughs> successful at this, but like, oh I'm my excited. goodness, I had no idea. So I'm, I'm super impressed and I'm sure our audience is, is thrilled to, to watch that journey. So, well, thank you. Thank you again. I really, I really appreciate you coming on and spending the time with us.
1: Of course, I, it's, it's been awesome. Thank you for giving me a platform <laughs> to share my crazy story. Of course, anytime. Thank
0: you for listening. Please give Freedom Cast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot to our business. Plus, it's fun to read y'all's reviews. See you next time.